join us for this week's episode of The Broom Boys. Casting rumors, video game rumors, and other news. And an in-depth discussion of one of Star Wars' most known artifacts, the Darksaber. All this and more in this week's episode. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of The Broom Boys with Buddy and Guy. I'm Guy. And I'm Buddy. And we are The Broom Boys. Oh my god. May the 4th was really a fucking cool day. It really was. It really was. And it keeps on giving. It did, we, yeah. I mean, it, it did not stop on May the 5th. No, no. Revenge just, of the 5th. Did not uh, did not disappoint, and it hasn't disappointed every day after. Wow, yeah, it just keeps coming, and, and so, yeah. Where do we where? We're gonna start with, I guess, Buddy going over all that. But yeah, where do you want to start, my friend? Well, I mean, one of our favorite bits of news that rolls across our desks here at the Broom Boys is casting news and rumors. And we have a couple of doozies for you this week. Uh, confirmed two castings. Two confirmed. For sure, definitely happening castings. Timothy Oliphant of Justified Fame and many motion pictures. Uh, had a small role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Was in Gone in 60 Seconds. If you know him, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, he has been cast in an as-of-yet-unknown role in Mandalorian Season 2. That's kind of... That didn't... Uh, we, we saw... You had uh, some news that you were talking about. Uh, Whitworth turned down a role. Yeah, I'm I I'm wondering if this role that Timothy Oliphant is taking uh is not the role that Sam Witwer turned down. Um when they you, share a you, look. They do share a look. They're roughly the same age. Um Yeah, I mean it's definitely a possibility. Of course that's just speculation on my part, but I'm wondering if that's not the role that Sam Witwer turned down. And if it is, then I mean they cast one hell of an actor to play that role. Um, no news, of course, on it's a one-off or a continuing reoccurring character. Uh, I, for one, am a big fan of Timothy Oliphant, and I'm excited to see him on Mando Season 2. Word. Okay. And so, now the other one, though, wasn't... That was... It was... Uh, what's her name? Uh, is it, She's playing Bo-Katan, right? Well, I mean, I was literally getting ready to say that. <laughs> Oh shit! Um, I'm sorry. I've got I... it. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so yes, not to not to bury the lead, because I tend to do things one at a time, and our friend guy over there gets a little impatient. Uh, no, no, no. I just get I just get all muddled up. I thought we were talking casting news, and you said two. We and are. It's like we are. Yeah, we are. Oh, but wow. I do I do one at a time. I do one, and we talk about it, and then I do the other, and we talk about it. I didn't forget. No, I just got excited. I thought you'd mentioned it already. No, no, no mentioning. Nope. No mentioning. Oh, I failed. I failed, anyways, guys. Anyways, uh, Katie fucking Sackhoff of Starbuck on the reimagined Battlestar Galactica uh, 
has been cast as Bo-Katan, live-action Bo-Katan in Mandalorian Season 2. And I didn't realize or know, but she was the voice actress of Bo-Katan in the Clone Wars animated series. And now they're bringing her to the live uh, side of Star Wars, playing the same character. I think that they like to... And I, I, I mean... No offense to any actor who is against this, but they almost seem to in some ways typecast, which is not a bad thing because she's played this kind of role before, this space warrior kind of military role. Oh, that, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean Battlestar so Galactica. Yeah, she played right? Starbuck, it's... who, you know, back in the day when we were kids, you know, was Dirk Benedict on the original show and they turned uh, the character into a female and they reimagined and um, made her a little more unruly, a little more undisciplined, a little more of a rowdy character. Um, But she was probably the most beloved character on that series, uh, except for probably uh, Commander Adama played by Edward James Almos. Um, but yeah, no, this is a perfect casting for her. Even if it is typecasting, I mean, she's the perfect one to play it. Katie was actually my choice to play Captain Marvel back before they cast Mm. Brie Larson. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm not in charge of those decisions, but, uh, bravo to Favreau and Filoni and whoever else made this choice to, to bring Bo-Katan to the, the live action world with Katie Sackhoff playing her. I think it's yeah, perfect. That is perfect. Now, an interesting thing about it is that, well, she, she's she been tapped to play the role in, like, across any, it's like just in Star Wars, period, at this point in time. Uh, yeah, I would assume if, uh, you know, that, that uh, female-driven live-action series... Uh, maybe she'll have a part in that. Um, I mean, another bit of news is Ahsoka, uh, played by Rosario, I guess for now, until we hear something else, um, is going to leave a lead, a live action Disney plus show. So some crossover with Bo-Katan into that, I think is probably likely. Um, Oh, you sent me that story. I did send you that story. Yeah. It was on that uh, story. Yeah, yeah, and that apparently was it was—it's a confirmed thing too. It's a, apparently an official thing. Now I still have not gotten or seen an official statement from Rosario saying she's playing Ahsoka, but every story I'm hearing, whether it's confirmed or rumor, is operating under the Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka. Um, so until right. we hear otherwise, I'm going to operate under that assumption. But yeah, so Rosario is going to lead the show as Ahsoka. Um, I'm wondering if this is that female uh, series that was announced with, oh God, what was that lady's name? Anyways, doesn't matter. Well, it matters. Uh, Leslie, but I'm just... Leslie he- uh... Hayward, Hedward. Hedward. Sure, Headstrong? her, Leslie, Leslie. Yeah, uh, I'm I wondering remember if her first name. Yeah, I'm wondering if that is is that show. I'm wondering if those if those two dots are connected or if they're well, doing multiple the female led shows. Said that uh, sub, well, now I got to make sure I get this right because I have confused it so many goddamn times. And now that I've I've decided to look into it um, because of my errors, um, 
I hope I got it right. Sabine is supposed to be on the show too. Mandalorian two, season two, potentially. Right. Or the one I the one I saw is that Sabine and Bo Katan crossing over onto that live action show. So um, we're getting kind of like a, a leapfrog from this one t- into the live a- the live action. I wonder if that's see, there's so many things that this could tie into because there are so many projects we've heard rumors about. Yeah, I mean, but we know we know for a fact that Sasha Banks was cast for Mandalorian mm-hmm. season two. I think she would make a good Sabine, and I think it would make sense that she would be playing Sabine. Her hair. And her, yeah, and her role hasn't officially been announced yet. So I'm wondering, you know, we've got this story from a few weeks ago and the story from two weeks ago and the story from last week and the story from today. It's all kind of painting a picture. And the dark saber, which we're going to talk about today, but the dark saber is right. another big part of that picture. Well, both Bo Katan and uh, Sabine, because they both, I mean, Sabine was the one that gave it to Bo Katan at the end of Rebels or whatever. That's right. So yeah, we we are going to be talking dark saber here in the not too distant future. Uh, so, so lots hey. of interesting stuff and lots of play off of each other. Yeah, like. yeah. There's a lot of a lot of stuff, but hey, speaking of Star Wars Rebels, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Filoni, uh, who is our Jesus to our God of John Favreau in the Star Wars world right now, uh, announced that Star Wars Rebels season five is 100% not happening. Uh, so I know there's probably a lot of disappointed people. I'm among them. But if you remember, we discussed a rumor that Rebels will be making the transition to live action. And I'm wondering if this story does not lend credence to that rumor that we discussed last week. Was it last week? Yeah. Yeah. It was. In fact, wasn't Ahsoka, didn't Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, Sabine, they all played heavy in, in Rebels, didn't they? They all played in Rebels. Yes, they all did. Did they? I mean, was it a big? But Ezra and what was it? Kenan? Kanan. 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 Were Ezra they Bridger and Kanan Jarrus, I believe. Didn't the series start with one of them and end following? I mean, as primarily followed one for the first part of it and then ended following the other or how I don't uh if i'm remembering right because it's been a long time since i've turned rebels on because i had a hard time getting into it when it first aired um mm-hmm. is that kanan found is that it followed kanan but he found ezra very quickly and recognized him as force sensitive and started training him as a jedi and then they were dealing with the inquisitors and then they were dealing with vader and the emperor and thrawn <laughs> Um, you know, and Ahsoka show and Rex showed up and Sabine and Bo and all, all of the above. Um, okay. I really need to watch the whole series. Um, the only episode or the most recent episode I watched was the one where Obi-Wan fought Maul because there was a lot of hype around that. So I said, well, you know, I better check this out. Um, so I did. Um, and I definitely owe the show. Uh, of viewing all right yeah right and that's kind of at some point in time i feel definitely the same i've seen a couple of them but i haven't watched the whole thing through 
Yeah, I don't so. know why I couldn't get into it, but I just couldn't. I tried really hard. Right. Uh, you know, I, it is what there's, it is. There's a point in time that I think if you've watched a huge amount of, say, The Clone Wars, it felt like just uh, fa- at first it felt like a, just a fast forward of The Clone Wars in some ways. New characters to a degree, but I don't know. It, I just, I felt like because Rebels came out after Disney took took over, and they never let Clone Wars fully play out. Was my recollection until now? Yes, until yes. Because as soon as as basically as soon as Disney signed the paperwork taking ownership of Star Wars, they canceled Clone Wars. Um, because I think even back then they had intentions of launching their own streaming service and wanted to save Clone Wars for that. Um, I can't which just, I mean I mean that's yeah, amazing forward thinking. It wouldn't be it would not be abnormal for things that Disney does. Um at the same time there's other times where they completely go the other way and you're left going, "Well, why did you do it there but not there?" It's like they put all their money. It's like Pocahontas and the Lion King. I don't know if you were that story. They sunk all their money into this Pocahontas animation. And it completely flopped. While The Lion King, they spent budget dollars on and minimum amounts. And the sucker just, obviously, The Lion King did as well as it did. And we all know how Pocahontas did. So it's sort of like that kind of scenario, scenario I think, right? Oh, I don't I don't know, dude. I, I've, I've seen The Lion King once total from start to finish and that was because my girlfriend my senior year of high school that was one of her favorite movies and she wanted to watch it and you know i mean what do you do you watch you watch it. the movie if that's what if that's what the girl wants i never saw pocahontas um there you go that arrest my case i just i i'm just like sometimes they pick the projects that you and you go that makes sense and other times they don't pick the projects that make sense and they they budget something else that that outperforms what all their work went into um and so then they have a a disney that's that's old hat for disney they it's not the first time that they've done it it won't be the last time they've done it but at the same time that they do that they flip around and sometimes make these amazing and great decisions regarding those things and this could be one. This could have just been a fluke where they just did the right thing at the right time and said, oh, well, I'm glad that worked. Or it could have yeah, been maybe. a lot of forethought, right? I mean, it could have been. I Capable I would, of both. They're definitely capable of both. Um, I, don't, I don't see any other reason for them canceling such a popular show at probably the height of its popularity other than that they had their own plans for it. And they did not want their plans, for lack of a better word, ruined. Um, Agreed. But anyway, and, we, and we got, didn't hear we got of, it. Right? And that was, it's like even at the time, Filoni, I, didn't, I don't think, because he, he was still, he was the executive producer on it. And uh, even before it was Disney, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was on the show from the beginning. So it's like, and I don't remember hearing anything bad from him, and that would have been a really clear indication that 
they really they really fucked with it so it could be that he was just waiting for the point in time where he got to tell the rest of the story and which is would make sense for what you're saying i think you're right i think you're right fits an area i mean if i mean if they said hey look it's gonna come back when we launch our streaming service because we want something massive to put on there um so just be patient and it'll it'll come back around again one day um, I can certainly see that happening. And, you know, look, look where Filoni is now. You know, he big player on the Mandalorian uh, he got to first do time that live last action season. direction. Yeah. First time directing anything live action. Big player on the Mandalorian uh, got to do his his final series story for the Clone Wars with Ahsoka. Probably the story he always wanted to tell. Um I mean, the guy's got to be riding high, and I think pay, his patience probably paid off. Uh, but anyways. His his dive into every corner of the Star Wars universe, I think, is the other thing that paid off. The guy is a, he's a fucking encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. He makes me look dumb about Star Wars, and I don't think I'm dumb about Star Wars in any way, shape, or form. I would not tell you. I would tell you you're very knowledgeable about star wars and yeah the guy he's just he wow anyway but anyway so uh you told me yes rebels season five not happening but you told me recently that Mm -hmm. you did a rewatch of revenge of the sith Mm -hmm. um when uh when you were watching revenge of the sith you probably at some point remember seeing jimmy smith's playing uh bail organa Oh yeah, uh, he played oh, yeah. played a pretty pivotal role in that movie at the end after Order sixty six went down. You know, rescued Obi Wan and and Master Yoda. Uh, he showed up briefly in a few scenes in Rogue One, uh, and now it is rumored that he will be returning to the role on the Cassian Andor live action series that is coming to Disney Plus at some point in the future. Uh, I'm excited I, about that. Yeah, Jimmy Smith is a great actor. Uh, he's a perfect actor for that role because he's got like a, a presidential gravitas to him in the way he carries himself and speaks. So yeah, I think, I think, uh, I could definitely do with more, uh, Jimmy Smith's Bail Organa in my life. So excited about that. Do you know the uh, first time I ever saw him on TV? NYPD Blue? No. No. Okay. The Waltons. The Waltons, the Waltons. Yes, he he was on the Waltons. I did oh, not know yeah. this. Jim, dude. Yes. Oh my God. What was it? Jim Bob or Jim Boy or whatever. Uh... No, he wasn't Jim Jim Boy. No. What no, am I thinking? I I maybe I'm wrong. I no. I think, I'm, wrong. I think, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm... I think you hit a massive pothole, buddy. Because I wow, don't think he's massive old pothole. No, no, I don't no, think no. he's old enough to have else. been on the Waltons. No, I'm thinking. I am completely thinking of somebody else. Only because, wow, where did I get my crossover all wrong on that one? I don't know, bro. I don't know. Other, the only answer I can give you is marijuana. <laughs> it's all I can think of. No, because th- that's the sad part. Is it was before marijuana. And then marijuana just sort of kind of sealed the deal. Yeah, so no, I think NYPD Blue would be a lot of people's first exposure. And then he played uh, played a very it? significant role in the West Wing 
in the final season of that show, he played a presidential candidate uh, from the Democratic Party. Uh, had a show called Kane for a while on CBS. I mean, the guy's been acting forever. He's a staple and he's a wonderful actor. So I'm hoping this rumor turns out to be true. Um, you're going to drive yourself crazy till you figure out what you did. Right. I, 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 yes, I am. But I, it's like, I, I mean, I, I, where I don't know why I did it, but it's like, and I, the minute, the funny thing is, the minute I saw his picture, I'm like, nah, never mind. My fucking brain is all, all out. Yeah. Of Cause whack. I, I remember the, everybody on the Waltons was pretty fucking white and he's very much Latino. Right. <laughs> so, or Latino looking at any rate. So yeah. Um, no, right. Yeah. That that's the sad part. Don't don't pay any attention to me. If I could go back and erase the last little bit of the show, I would. But you know, give everybody a laugh. Well, you can. Uh, I mean, you can edit it out. You're the editor. You can do whatever you want. I'm not gonna do it. No, no, no. All Richard right, cool. Thomas, We're gonna roll with it. That's that's that was there. He is Richard Thomas. John Boy Walton. Yep, John Boy. I see why. Yep, there we go. Wow, actually. Does he look like a white Jimmy Smith? Is that what you're going with? Wow. Sadly, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I mean, I can see why I, I mean, I can see where my brain thought so, but I could think he looks just as much like a fucking, oh God, Jack Ritter. What was his, uh, you mean John John Ritter? John Ritter, excuse me. I'm Jack Tripper. Jack Tripper, yes. Jack Sorry. Tripper, John Ritter. There's there's pot. Um but he also <laughs> looks like uh he also looks like freaking John Ritter at the same time. Guys like a cross between oh my God. Smiths and Ritter. He's like I, I could see them both. It's like if they had a baby. I think they did. It's like they were doing it in the closet and out he popped. Okay. Alright. Well, what a what a strange and wonderful <laughs> trip we just took. Uh, so hey, you might remember that on May the fourth we got a update for Jedi Fallen Order, uh, mm-hmm. which added yeah. which added a uh, force meditation mode where you could uh, fight in various challenges and do some other stuff. Well, mm-hmm. so. Uh, I dove into that and then found myself woefully underpowered because the only way to access it is to start a new game plus playthrough. Yeah, that's what so you're saying. So I have spent the last week since we recorded and since May the 4th leveling up my, my character and going through my playthrough as Cal to, uh, to get to where I could take on these challenges. So there's two different modes you can play through. There's one where you literally do take on challenges and and the re- and you do waves of enemies and the rewards are uh, cosmetics. But then there's a, a mode called the battle grid. And the battle grid lets you set up a custom battle arena, basically, uh, where you can uh, load it with stormtroopers or walkers or even some of the lightsaber wielding characters you encounter in the game. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, I loaded up the, the arena mode and filled it full of, of the lightsaber wielding characters and, uh, 
I thought it was something like where you'd beat one and then progress to the other. And no, it turns out if you jam pack that arena full of people, they'll all just fight whoever is closest to them. And then it's kind of like a battle royale. It's kind of fun. Um, but then you can also just put one person in there and have a focus duel, um, which is exactly what I wanted. I wanted the ability to be able to have repeatable lightsaber battles whenever I wanted. And so now all I have to do is go to a meditation point if I feel like going saber to saber with somebody and just doing it over and over and over again uh, or practicing for a boss fight or whatever. You can do it that way, too. Uh, but it's fun. It's it's fun. And there's a lot of replayability into it because you can up and up the difficulty, lower the difficulty, add in stormtroopers or whatever to make. Yeah, you can basically customize a battle. Um, oh, cool. But it's, so they but really great. thought that out. They did. You could tell. There is some definite thought into it. Um, the only other thing at this point in time it. I'd like, would like, is to be able to do that with you. Like that would be cool. A multiplayer component in that would be outstanding. But you know, hey, uh, take. I'll take what I what we get. I'm not yeah. going to complain. And you know what? I'm. I absolutely am loving the game as much as I did the first time I did a complete playthrough as I am on this playthrough. It's such uh, a good story. Oh, it's a masterwork of storytelling. And there was stuff that I forgot, you know, like I forgot that you played young Cal, like reliving the memory of order 66. I completely right. forgot about that. And like, uh, you know, with you and your master trying to escape from the ship, like, and then I forgot that Cal got captured and was forced into like a gladiator pit. Um, Spoilers, sorry, but fuck you, play the game. And fuck you if you haven't played the game. We've been talking about it forever. I mean, come on. We've only, um, we've only raved about it. For every so episode? At this point in time, yeah, if, we, if you guys haven't played it by now, fuck you, you deserve a spoiler. If you haven't gone out and actually read the fucking story because you're not going to play the goddamn game, uh, then you, who cares? You're getting a fucking spoiler. You already got him. You read there it you go. There you go. Guy and has laid down the law. If you haven't done either, you deserve spoilers because you better know the fucking story because it matters because you sent me a story about specifically that more than just the playthrough that the May 4th stuff. About what they're gonna what they're planning to do with uh with the Fallen Order stuff. I don't know yeah, if it's Cal or the Father Fallen Order. Well, what we're looking think? at a trilogy with Cal and all the other characters that they introduced. No, dude. They didn't even say trilogy. They said franchise. Right. I think people are assuming that means trilogy, but just because that's the way Star Wars works is everything good is done in trilogies. Well, okay, that's not true, but the trilogy format is typically what they roll with. Right, and I'm not saying no on that, but I'm also saying that when you say franchise, it, it takes it out of video game context. And what it tells me is they may go into movies. They may go into TV Well, okay. Shows, well, hold on a second, though. Novels. Hold on. Hold on. Because mm -hmm. the people who called it a franchise yeah. is Electronic Arts. Not Lucasfilms, not Disney. Electronic Arts. Oh. So the, the, the video game publisher called it a franchise. Never mind. I see. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a lot different. See, I it thought I read different. it that the that the Disney Veep called it the franchise, 
and that was what they were kind of all just playing off of there. But I I misunderstood. It was probably yeah. Bad. I mean, but you also thought that Jimmy Smith was on the Waltons. So I mean, come on. <laughs> Don't trust me is what it says. <laughs> no, we trust you about a lot. We trust you about a lot. Well, what um, I will tell you is you can always trust me in the sense that I check the information that I just say. So even if I was like, well, if Jimmy Smith's vaulted, then I'm like, I'll check in Google and I'm like, oh, no, nah, I'm a fucking moron. I'll always <laughs> tell you when I'm wrong, too. That's right. Call myself an idiot. Wow, okay. I'm special. The you, special guy. You certainly are. Um, So <laughs> we all we all know that we got a movie little over a year and a half ago recently came to disney plus called uh star wars episode 9 rise of skywalker what you may not know is that originally the movie was not to be done by jj abrams but it was to be handled by colin trevorrow uh who did amongst other things the jurassic world starring chris pratt and bryce dallas howard who we love bryce because of her work on the mandalorian mm-hmm. uh Colin Trevorrow's movie uh, had a lot of work gone into it before ultimately he left the project or was removed. I don't know the official story and I don't really care. Uh, Over the last few months, uh, storyboards and concept art for his proposed movie have been leaked or released onto the internet. And a couple days ago, we got a huge dump of concept art with full descriptions about what we would be seeing in a live action uh, setting, kind of explaining the context of the art. So there's a lot of them. We're going to hammer through them pretty quickly. Um, we will also post this to our Facebook page so you can check out the art for yourself because some of it's really, really awesome. Uh, so the first one is you're seeing a guy uh, on his knees stabbing himself through the stomach with a lightsaber. And it's uh, once it says, once it becomes clear the First Order is losing the Battle of Coruscant, General Hux pulls out a lightsaber and kills himself. So definitely different than what we got in Rise of Skywalker. That's actually pretty significant because that means that he was a fucking Jedi? I mean, I originally the 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 script said purple lightsaber. The concept art shows a red lightsaber. Either way, the fuck the dude has a lightsaber. There's only one other than there's only one lightsaber that will ever be with somebody who's not a force wielder that I know of, and that's the dark saber which we're gonna get into. So that that in itself said a whole lot about Hux to me. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I would definitely like to see more context of that. Actually, what I would like them to do is I would like them to release his script. I would like to read that whole thing start to finish. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, so the second one shows uh, a guillotine, a lightsaber guillotine, and a, a resistance trader named Bisk Kova about to be executed by said lightsaber guillotine. Uh, with a, a crowd watching and stormtroopers surrounding. Um, the next one is Ray standing with a double-bladed lightsaber, two blue blades. Uh, apparently is made up of her staff and Luke's saber. 
on the bridge of a Star Destroyer, and apparently it acts as a boomerang, so if she throws it, it comes back to her, I guess. Uh, Isn't that just a lightsaber throw? I think so. I think so, but, you know. Did you notice she's also wearing clothes very similar to Luke's? Uh, Identical. Identical to Luke's, I would say. Right? Yeah. Anyway, just something I noticed about the concept. Art. No, uh, that's it's it's uh, this art is beautiful. By the way, it's not like it's fully colored, fully illustrated. It's gorgeous. Uh, next one we get is a first order occupied Coruscant. We see a massive ship hanging over the cityscape. Um, looks cool. So apparently, the first order in Colin Trevorrow's story conquered Coruscant. And they have a really, 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 really big Star Destroyer. Yes. Uh, so the next image is Tor Volum, an ancient Sith creature. Um, kind of looks like the Zepho from Jedi Order. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Yeah. It's very similar. Very similar. Actually, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. If I hadn't been replaying the game, I wouldn't have made the connection. But it looks a lot like a Zepho from Fallen Order. So he's a cool-looking uh, creature, ancient Sith creature. Hmm. Uh, next one is Kylo Ren fighting Darth Vader during a cave sequence being guided, trained by Tor Volum. So apparently in the original story or in Colin's story... Kylo finds Torvalum and is getting trained in the more traditional Sith arts, maybe. Yeah, uh, he goes and, hardcore dark. And has a uh, a Force Cave encounter similar to what we saw Luke go through in Empire. So that would have been pretty slick to see. And we would have gotten some more badass Vader stuff, but it was not to be. Uh, the next image, Ray and Luke training on Korolev. And we see Ray sitting in like a like a sunbeam, and Luke is standing off to the side. Luke doesn't appear to be a force ghost. Luke appears no. to be physically the present. He's not glowing blue or translucent. He physically seems to be there. Um, yeah, uh, you know, this was one of those parts that I actually that I prefer. For how it went down, I not not Luke not being there, not Luke dead, but I like that they did Leia training Ray. I wish we could have even seen obviously more of all the training crap that you know was was going on, but unfortunately, without the pre-shot scenes, there's just a limitation to that, but. I don't know. I I really I like that kind of nod to Leia. That that yeah. I think I think it was a definitely a, a cool nod to her. Um, but so, that's like that's one of the few things that I I, I actually preferred. Yeah. Uh, so the next image is just the Millennium Falcon flying to a planet named Bonadan, where apparently Poe Dameron lived with his grandfather. Uh, it's just a cityscape with the Millennium Falcon swooping over it. Nothing remarkable other than being a beautiful piece of art. Uh, the next image is Poe and Ray pilot a razor sail, which kind of looks like the uh, the little skiffs or the little ships from Return of the Jedi, you know, when they were taking them out to the Sarlacc pit to execute them. 
Yeah. Um, they're piloting this razor sail through the Bonneton waters, being chased by the Knights of Ren in their ship called the Knife Nine. Another gorgeous piece of art. Um, another scene that I wish I could see. I mean, it looks like a pretty neat, exciting action sequence. Uh, the next image, Rose, Finn, C-3PO, and R2-D2 attempt to activate a beacon on Coruscant to broadcast Leia's hologram to the galaxy. So apparently Leia recorded some sort of message, and they are attempting in this painting to, or in this concept art, to, to get it out. Maybe the rallying cry to overthrow the First Order or fight or whatever. Yeah. 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 Looks cool. Yeah. Looks uh, cool. Next one is R2 and 3PO roaming the streets of Coruscant. Uh, Coruscant looks pretty devastated in this image. And other than, you know, the, the buildings being in a somewhat bad shape, we just basically have the silhouettes of R2 and 3PO. Not much story to that other than the apparent cool state of Coruscant. Cool picture. Uh,. Next image is Finn rallies citizens of Coruscant of the Coruscant underground to fight back. So apparently they're trying to spark some sort of insurgency on Coruscant. Uh, we Didn't see stormtroopers. Yeah, um, yeah. Didn't I mean, feel it's this a, part of the story. It's a cool image, but you know. Yeah, I, I agree. But whatever, and. And then the next part of the, I guess, this is the part of the story that it all kind of seems to fall apart for me. Uh, I mean, I kind of like the idea of Coruscant being captured and, and them trying to spark like uh, like an insurgency or a rebellion on the planet. I think that is cool. Um, you know, we'll never see it. So No, no, right, right, absolutely. And it's not even, it's not that that I don't, that I'm not down with. It, yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, next pictures. <laughs> okay, I'll next myself. picture. Ray faces a monster outside the forest of Mortis. Uh, kind of looks like a rancor, but not really. Um, Would have been a cool fight, though, I bet, had we gotten to see it. She's standing there with her double-bladed lightsaber and a creature that is infinitely larger than her. Uh, yeah, looks cool. Yeah, uh, and that one next did, picture is... Citizens paint and prepare old walkers. So we see some ATSTs getting painted and people doing some mechanical stuff. And um, yeah, they, they speculate that it's it. in the underground of Coruscant. Because they, they just have, I mean, the ATSTs are just laying around everywhere, obviously. And I mean, or, or they, well. I don't remember were ATSTs used by the First Order. Because the only place I know of, yeah, because they didn't have them on um, on crate. They had the giant walkers, and then I think there was a couple of traditional ATATs on that battle. So maybe these are, you know, ATSTs that are retired or you know sitting in a scrapyard, and they're just you know over time they start stealing more and more of them, or maybe they're just getting the parts and putting them back together. I mean, which it's I get in some ways, but it's kind of what's the next picture? Uh, defected stormtroopers and Coruscant citizens cheer around old painted First Order walkers. So we see a bunch of like what there's like eight walkers at least, mm -hmm. um, 
ATSTs and a kind that I'm not familiar with. Um, you know, this looks like the, you know, the insurgency's army basically getting ready to go to war. Right. And so at that point in time, I'm feeling like, you know, maybe I wasn't completely out on it at this point in time because but I didn't like how they designed them with the whole chaotic spikes coming off of them now and all these other things. It's like, since when did the underground need to paint everything? I've like they're living on some Ewok, you know, with the Ewoks. Um <laughs> I just I didn't really get the point of the needing to have face paint on the ATSTs that they got that were decommissioned, retired. I don't know where the fuck they got them. And then it was like I I think the next picture is them lined up against the all of the first order, isn't it? Against yeah, against a bunch of stormtroopers. Stormtroopers prepare for battle against the citizens of Coruscant. Okay, that's not the one. I, the one I'm thinking of, and when you get to it, is you see all the ATSTs at the bottom in silhouette, and then behind the ATSTs, you see all the First Order walkers. And that's no, that when, that's the picture I'm on. That is okay. That is the picture. picture I'm on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what broke it for me. That was the picture that broke it because I can't tell you that I would be out there cheering. I wouldn't be hooping. I wouldn't be hollering. I'd be shitting myself as I looked at our ATSTs and then I looked at the fucking walkers that the First Order was bringing in. Well, yeah, but the implication is that all of these walkers are on the side of the Coruscant citizens. That's the implication I I got. It says defected stormtroopers and Coruscant citizens cheer around old painted First Walker or First Order walkers. So I don't I don't know how to completely translate that picture. It can definitely be taken in either either context. Um, right. I hope you're right because if if it's the way I perceived it, I would be shitting myself, thinking to myself, "We're fucked." I, well, I mean, it's, it's the fact the fact that they're cheering makes me think that they're not in danger, and that they're cheering for maybe these stormtroopers that defected brought these walkers over to the to the side of the Coruscant citizens. Cross my fingers and hope it's enough to to, to stop an invading army. Or an occupying army, it seems like right? at this point. True. Um, and then we get to the stormtroopers preparing for battle against the Coruscant citizens. So we see all the ATSTs up on a ridge and a bunch of stormtroopers down below. Um, I mean, if there's one thing we know about Star Wars is that these stormtroopers are fucked because the ATSTs have the high ground. Uh, <laughs> the high ground. The high ground. It's a force power all on its own. Next image sucks. In the Battle of Coruscant, R2-D2 is destroyed. R2's head is scorched. Emotion like we've never seen from C-3PO. Finn is speechless. He is crushed. Chewie takes R2's scorched shell onto his back. This is the point that since I was already lost at that one picture that I thought was like them against the first order picture. It was at this point in time. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good staying with rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. R2 out of probably out of all the characters R2 deserves to make it because I mean, he's really the true hero of the rebellion. 
when you when you break down everything that little droid did, if not for him, there would be no rebellion. He brought and the Death the Star plans. Beginning. He saved Padme's ship. Death Star plans. Uh, you know, helped open up the bunker with the shield generator guarding the Death Star. I mean, without R two, the rebellion would have been screwed. Just the, screwed. The, he got them out of the fucking first Death Star or for the Star Destroyer. Just Obi Wan might have uh, died, but it was because R two getting them through the ship that they had the doors open and everything like that. And he stopped the trash compactor from killing Luke, Han, and Leia. Right. It's like even back into Phantom Menace and all all of them from helping Luke in his X-Wings and he was helping freaking um, Anakin. It's like, yeah, R2 is – when I saw that, I was like, any anybody, anything else, you know, Luke Skywalker is second to R2 in my mind and that's – and. We, they already fucked with Luke, so don't don't touch R two. Yeah. So the next image is Ray and Kylo Ren fighting at the peak of the temple on Mortis, uh, and Kylo Ray's new mask is visible. Uh, it's Ray with her double bladed saber, and Kylo with the saber we've seen throughout all the movies. Uh, probably would have been an awesome fight. Right? Did you see his new mask that they gave him? Yeah, I think there's an image farther down in here that describes it a little bit more, yeah. Uh, The next image is pretty fucking cool. Luke blocks Kylo's lightsaber. I mean, he's literally holding it, literally holding a lightsaber in his hand. He's holding the blade in his hand. So That was cool. But he also, oh, I guess he has a blue glow around him slightly in this, so I guess it is a force ghost. He does have a slight blue glow, so Force Ghost. But yeah, cool fucking image. Doesn't really look like Mark Hamill that much, but cool fucking image. (laughs) Uh, Next image is Leia and BB-8. Leia is possibly recording her hologram, and it's it's basically almost a spitting image of when she was inserting the message into R2 at the beginning of A New Hope. The same kind of she's kneeling down, arm extended. It's beautiful. Uh, then the next one is a disguised BB-8 infiltrates the First Order shipyard on a Kuat moon. Uh, Kuat in, uh, in, in the old EU, uh, is a major ship building planet. Um, the Kuat drive yards. It's where all the Imperial Star Destroyers, like, that's the source of their military might for the Empire. So kind of would have been cool to see that nod. Uh, come to the big screen. Seriously. And then the next one is an or the orbital ring that delivers ore to the Kuat shipyard. Not much to really say or, or see or tell. It's just a cool image. Uh, next image is stormtroopers walk among a migrant worker village on Kuat. It's just patrolling stormtroopers and ramshackle huts and houses and, and people doing whatever. Uh, next thing. Ray, Finn, and Poe fight their way to the Eclipse Star Destroyer. So we see laser blasts and lightsabers, and Finn and Poe and Ray are in motion, and and, uh, stormtroopers are chasing them. Uh, Next image, Eclipse Star Destroyer. That's what it's called. That big fucking giant motherfucking huge goddamn Star Destroyer. 
Yes, which if you are a fan of the EU, especially the comics, you will know that the Eclipse class Star Destroyer was a ship from the expanded universe from uh, from the Dark Empire trilogy or the Dark Empire story where the Empire basically where the Emperor comes back in a clone. This Mm -hmm. comic was done years and years and years and years and years and years and years ago and the eclipse class star destroyer was a massive star destroyer bigger than anything ever seen before and it had a death star planet killing weapon built into it um so So they just used the whole damn thing like ass is uh yeah yeah it seems like colin trevorrow really went into a lot of various sources to build this story um which I would have completely dug, one hundred percent dug. Um, yeah, that that's a that's a nice nod. That's like uh, when the Mandalorian with uh, what was the EU uh, or not EU, but uh, the canon. What was the canon? Oh, the eweb, the eweb, the eweb, or the or the troop transport. Yeah, you know, a lot of little nods. Uh, next image is the crew detonating the orbital ring and stealing an Eclipse class Star Destroyer from the Kuat docking bay. Uh, it's pretty cool. I uh, would have loved to have seen it. Uh, second, or the next image, is apparently from a second draft of the script on a planet called Moribond. Creatures called Wommels, don't know, treat a near-death <laughs> Kylo. So apparently Kylo gets fucked up in these wommels. <laughs> wommel. I can't get past it. Wommel. Are trying to trying to keep him alive. Uh, next image is a very nicely drawn image of Leia at uh, the Resistance base on Korolev. And it looks, the image is very faithful to Carrie Fisher. Uh, so beautiful, beautiful artwork. Uh, next mm-hmm. image is Kylo Ren gets a new mask made of Mandalorian armor. Um, looks very Darth Vader-ish, but made of, like, I'm guessing, Beskar. If you ever going to say Mandalorian armor, it's made out of Beskar steel. Yeah, it, it looks like a cross <coughs> between the Stormtrooper armor and Darth Vader. Like, uh, they took yeah. the two and... Yeah, it's pretty slick. Again, I would love to have seen it instead of the, mm-hmm. the welded-together helmet with the red streaks in it, but, you know, whatever. Uh... Here's another image from a second draft. Uh, with the Knights of Ren hot on their tail, Poe pushes the Falcon into light speed and crashes it into the ice planet of Wavit. Uh, so we kind of got a version of that in the JJ script. Um, but, you know, kind of, sort of loosely, loosely based. Mm-hmm. Uh, second draft crew, the crew, so I'm guessing Poe and Finn and Chewie and all them are stranded on Wavit and sit around a campfire. It's an odd image. Um, Wobbit. Wobbit. Wommels and Wobbits. Waskily <laughs> Wobbit. Waskily Wobbits. Wommily Wobbits. Uh, the next image is a docking play on Bobadin, or Bonadin. We just see a bunch of ships on a tower with a bunch of arms coming off of it. Nothing special. Uh, razor sails. These are those ships from an earlier image. Nothing spectacular. Um, next, This next image might be one of my favorites. Chewie grabs a Knight of Ren, throws him into the air, and shoots him out of the sky like a clay pigeon. So, yes, that would have been pretty badass. Yeah, that would have been pretty fucking slick. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Next image is really cool. I really like this image. It's a silhouetted Kylo Ren approaching a Sith temple on a planet called Remnicor. Uh, don't know how much I dig the name Remnicor, but that image is fucking sweet. Uh, you see statues and a ruined temple off in the distance, and Kylo is just straight up just silhouetted. It's really sweet. Um, next image nah, he is would Kylo. Badass. Yeah. Next image is Kylo and his droid navigate Remin- Remnicor. I'm going to say Remnicor, yeah. Uh, next image, Kylo sucks the life force from a tree after being taught by Tor Volum. So apparently Tor Volum teaches him how to do a life steal sort of thing, maybe. Um, pretty cool. Uh, next image, new resistant ship. It's a drop ship from the Clone Wars, basically, is what it looks like to me. Um Maybe a little modified, a little slightly different made up, but it looks like a drop ship. You see an X-Wing and some TIE Fighters. None of this art is shitty, by the way. It's all beautiful. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And then we see Finn is captured and imprisoned in a work camp on Coruscant. This, apparently this was from an early draft. Um, we get a no- next image is TIE Fighters chase the Millennium Falcon through the Coruscant Citadel. Uh Again, gorgeous piece of art. We see an X-Wing on fire, a bunch of TIE Fighters behind the Millennium Falcon. It's sweet. Uh, next image is BB-8 flees from oncoming fire, or maybe they meant to say incoming fire. Um, you see C-3, C-3PO and R2-D2 off to the left and Stormtroopers and explosions. It looks like a Michael Bay movie. Um, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, stormtroopers fight against Coruscant citizens is the next image. Uh, not much to see, just a couple stormtroopers, a few lasers here and there, but it's beautiful. Um, the next image is gorgeous and badass, and it's Kylo inside a cave on Remnicor. As Torvalum describes it, it is a virgence in the force. Um, I don't know, other than Kylo, I don't know exactly what we're looking at, but it's a cool image. Uh, a virgin in the force. Yes, instead of a duot or di dyad dyad diode, is that what? dyad diode. diode, diode. Yeah. Um, next image is beautiful. Ray gazes at the temple of Mortis. I don't see a temple. I see a bunch of mountains, but I guess there could be a temple there. Um, it's beautiful though. Lots of color. Not where you would expect from a Sith temple. I might add. Um, next image is cool. Ray and Kylo face off at the peak of the Temple of Mortis. So you see a silhouetted Ren with his saber and Ray with hers. It's pretty slick. Uh, only a couple more folks. Thanks for bearing with us. Uh, so then this image shows Yoda and a bunch of luminous light surrounded figures. Uh, but it's more of a description. It's the, it's the description that interests me way more than the art, although it's a great picture of Yoda. Um, Ray lays on the stone slab, still injured. Light fills up the space around her. Particles of energy floating up. She rises with the energy. The light engulfs the frame until we reach a place beyond what we know, the astral plane. Yoda, Luke, and Obi-Wan appear before her. Ray says, is this death? Obi-Wan, in this place, there is no such thing as death. Yoda reveals they succeeded or Ray succeeded where they failed. Luke, you choose to embrace the dark side and the light to find the balance within. So that is pretty interesting. 
Uh, they offered Ray the choice to stay in the comfort of the astral plane or return to the living while Shira experienced both love and loss. The spirits fade. Obi-Wan says, you are a Jedi, Ray Solana. So apparently she has a last name, but you will not be the last. Uh, next image shows Ray alive, pulling the Millennium Falcon out of the icy water on Wavit. Um, love it and Finn has apparently been telling stories about her Poe and Chewie are flying and they find a beacon on a planet um, whatever on Modesta BB-8 sees a familiar face and we see Ray's silhouette reflected in his eye and then the last image is Ray arriving to train a new generation of Jedi apparently this would have been the final shot of the movie and we see a makeshift it looks more like a farm really it looks like a farm but you see a bunch of kids or what look like kids and bb8's rolling off ahead of her and ray's kind of strolling towards it but um you know some interesting glimpses into the movie we could have gotten um the movie in a lot of ways that i wish we had gotten um Mm -hmm. but it is also something we'll never get but um I mean, I really enjoyed these images and I enjoyed reading the descriptions. Again, we'll post this on our Facebook so you can look at them yourself. Um, and that's that. It would have been an interesting movie. I would have had definite opinions about it both ways. Um, I I think because I had to say goodbye to Luke in such a fucking piss poor way, I, didn't, I don't want to mess with R2. Um, yet at the same time, there are some definite things about the movie that just would have been so much better than than what we got. And, you know, uh, I guess, what it, you know, it's like you said, we're never going to see it either way. But one way or another, it's like we, I think, I, we were bound to be let down any way they did it because... I, I don't feel like anybody was really well okay because we were already stuck with Last Jedi, and I, we I were don't mean stuck that with Last Jedi. And there's some things that Last Jedi did that I actually really liked. It just it really comes down to the, its treatment of Luke, and that overall story that really bothers me about it more than anything is is really the treatment of Luke. Um, had we gotten a better treatment that way, I mean, there were things that I'm sure I could have laughed at and been like, oh, the fuck did they do that? But that's like a Star Wars movie. At least it would have been Luke. But this way, it just set up this third movie to one way or another just not be able to really redeem or save Luke. And then at that point in time, the only way to completely do it is to, to, I don't mean this in a bad way, but whitewash it, make it easy, make it, make it non offensive in any way. Like no, take no risk with it. Take no real chance with it. And give people the feel goods, all the feel goods that they want, because at any kind, at at the point in time we were left, you take any risk, and you're gonna, it's it, it will be fifty fifty, you know, or 
more or less one way or another, but you damned if you do or damned if you don't because of, I really think because of the setup. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm always going to have mixed feelings on the prequel trilogy. Um, you know, but unfortunately, it's one of these things that we can what if until the sun comes up, but nothing's ever going to change um, unless sometime in the distant future. And I don't think we'll ever see it in our lifetime. They reboot the Skywalker saga. Um, then maybe... if they decide to do that, they're going to have to completely do what they did when they bought it and completely relaunch the entire universe. It'd be like them deciding that they're going to redo Iron Man now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, we're the movies we have are the movies we have and we can only look forward to what's to come. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of how I'm feeling. It is it is now cemented for what it is and I don't think they're going to re- they're going to reboot it because to reboot it is going to they're going to have to either take this entire time frame that Mandalorian all this and you know all the stuff that they're currently working on that's the timeline that it fits into to change any of it now means that they have to change all of it now and i just having just created it created it and getting into it i just i don't see them doing it yeah they're not going to do it they're not but so, uh, but hey, so check is, this out. Nah. So while exiting uh, where I had the the images that we just described to you pulled up, uh, a story flashed up here on my phone, and it's not news. It's not anything other than uh, today is the 18th anniversary of the theatrical release of Attack of the Clones. Oh. Today, May 16th. Today is Attack of the Clones' birthday. And interestingly enough, <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of positive <laughs> comments about Attack of the Clones. Um, <coughs> with people saying, you know, hey, it's not a perfect film, but it's beautiful in a lot of ways. It's good in a lot of ways. And there's more to it than the bad stuff. And people need to give it a chance. Um so, hey, it's the 18th anniversary of the first time we really got to see Master Yoda open up a big old can of whoop-ass. Um, you know, I'll take a drink to that. Hell yeah. I'll take a drink to that. And and I think we've been saying it is... It, what's really funny is now that everybody... We've been saying it now for, or at least weeks, if not a month or two that maybe we should really revisit these movies, give them another chance, because maybe we missed something. And, well, everybody else is just joining on the bandwagon. Maybe, maybe. All right, well, I mean, that, my friends, is the conclusion of the news, but um, I know we wanted to take a quick second to discuss um, Disney Gallery... Episode three of Star Wars The Mandalorian came out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched the first two. It premiered on May the 4th, and they put out another episode. Uh, would have been, what, the 8th or 9th on that yeah. Friday, that Friday, that same week. Here's the third episode. It focused more on the, the, the primary cast and crew 
Uh, so, you know, Carl Weathers, Gina Carino, and oh my God, why am I blanking <laughs> on the guy that plays Pablo. Din Djarin? Pablo, yes. Pablo, Pas- Pablo pa- Pascal? What's it? Yes, Pascal. Know. Yes, Pascal. Over in Martel. <laughs> but right. it focused more on them, and so we got a, not a lot of... was there. And Filoni was there, and Favs was there. Um, Kathy Kennedy was there a little bit, just tiny a little bit. Um, but we got some wonderful interviews out of it. Um, they highlighted the stuntmen that... Uh, uh, that pe- double for three people. Yes, three people, three people, people played. That? I well, I knew that John Wayne's grandson did a lot of stunt work for him. I did not know about the other guy that did uh, the martial arts work. I only knew about the two, but yeah, apparently there's three: uh, Brendan Wayne, and I'm blanking on the other guy, and Pedro Pascal. Um, but really yeah, cool what to see that? It's a great show, dude. I'm really digging this behind-the-scenes look, and Carl Weathers' voice, dude. Just Carl Weathers in general, dude. The I don't want to say the word reverence, but there was such reverence for him. And they were talking about how he was originally going to have like prosthetics on his face, and then we're like, we can't do that. It's got to be him. And it's Gina just, Carino, she's freaking a sweetheart, dude. Oh yeah, dude, she's wonderful. Oh my god, she's a sweetheart. Yeah. She's she's one and so humble too, very very humble. Right. From really, yeah. uh, from her, I mean, her starts in MMA, then up through the movie projects she's had. Um, yeah, what a what a humble actress and just wonderful too. She's she's great at it. Um, I I absolutely love her in in her role. I, I think they were also kind of talking about how she's not your. Well, she was saying how she's not your typical act actress and and they just kind of found her and she's thankful for those things but she i just have enjoyed her immensely in this show and all well and her other work but this one yeah i just what a perfect fit and and i didn't realize she was such so sweet yeah i've I've been a fan of hers since her mma career so i mean 15 16 years now i've known who she was yeah she's uh yeah she's amazing and carl weathers of course you know apollo creed was a huge part of my life growing up watching the rocky movies Mm -hmm. um you know predator got a million other roles carl weathers is just the man um and pedro pascal while he's relatively new in comparison on my radar i mean played one of the better characters on game of thrones and i was a big fan of him and that character and was glad when he was cast uh what i can't get over is how well he is able to to with just his actions because they were talking about the whole not being able to see his face and uh, how that is it it is a difficulty it it hampers the ability to act but his ability to to well, portray the emotion and, and deliver that everything that all that thought and it's it just through his actions and body language and speech with absolutely zero facial expression you're able to feel and get exactly 
how how it's how it's being delivered it's i don't know if i'm describing it well i just no you're describing it perfectly you're describing it perfectly i i liked the where carl weathers spoke about that how he's in a mask the whole time and you can't you know he said you get a lot from acting with somebody by being able to see their eyes and he said you didn't have any problems because of how well pedro did with his lines and i really liked the uh you know, like when they were showing him voice recording in the studio and how Pedro was like being very physical, even with his just delivering lines, you know, in right. a studio, he was going through. I mean, it was great. It, anyway, if you haven't watched any of these episodes, any of the three, watch them. They are fan fucking tastic. I will um, leave you with this little little bit to entice you to watch them. There's something that that is an Easter egg about the time when his helmet comes off. There is a great story that is behind that. That is just oh hilarious. my god! I could not even believe that. Right? Oh, it was awesome. So we're not going to spoil that, it, but watch nope. it, watch it, watch it. You'll know what we're talking about when you, when yeah, you see it. it. It's amazing. It's seriously. It's like it's one of those stories that it's it's so good it can almost like be disbelieved but uh, i'm with gina in the sense that it's a story i would be like i'd be telling that story it's such an awesome story yeah it's like anyway anyway he's embarrassed by it but i think it's a great story (laughs) yeah it's it's amazing so anyways uh dark saber we wanted to talk all things dark saber for the uh for the conclusion of our episode here for the winding down because with the the casting announcements and obviously with the the reveal of the dark saber in the season finale of Mandalorian season 1 the dark saber i think is going to be playing a prominent role in star wars for the foreseeable future uh, well it's pretty much the only artifact that we have that has played any kind of prominent role in star wars history and future yes. recent yes and uh, it does it has it has a very, very long and storied history. So uh, I'm going to turn the mics over to our good friend Guy, and he will guide us through the history of the Darksaber. Um, I think one of the coolest parts to realize about the Darksaber, because we just see a little quick flash of it but in, in The Mandalorian, but it's been in The Clone Wars, Rebels... Um, a lot, obviously, graphic novels, things like that. So it the, it's rich in a huge amount of canon material. And it's the only artifact that is actually currently that I'm aware of that exists across a whole lot of mediums that is utilized for a huge amount of storytelling um, in in all these different uh, story uh, in all these different uh, Star Wars stories that we're seeing whether it's comic books or or obviously now live action uh animation uh so that being said what it what is it right that's what i think is one of the most defining parts of it is i think the first and only mandalorian jedi right uh i don't know about only but i know one of the first or maybe the it, first, maybe the first Mandalorian Jedi. Everything I've seen says the first, but I can't say that I have heard of another. And 
I think also to, to, to what needs to be understood is the difference between what they're talking about, say, when the saber was made versus what we're seeing in The Mandalorian. Because by the time we get to The Mandalorian, Mandalorians are more like a religion and uh, uh, a belief and a way of life versus the Mandalorians that come from Mandalore who are a, who are a completely different society altogether. Well, so on on that little note, I think if you look at the um, and I think some of the history of the dark saber goes into this to some small extent, mm-hmm. but I think you have two, um, let's say, sects of Mandalorians. Um where you've got one sect that wants to that is wanting to be more traditional and following the ways of the Mandalore and then you've got the sect um that does not that wants to be a little more progressive and a little bit different uh and I I think that's where the difference comes in I think it all comes from the planet Mandalore and from the the Mandalorians as a people um but I think that's where it breaks off to whereas, you know, if you want to follow the path of the Mandalore, then you swear to that creed where you're not taking your helmet off, you know, where you're... where it's more of a religion and you right. don't have to be from Mandal the the planet Mandalore, but a Mandalorian is more like this this elite mercenary kind of um hyper awesome mercenary. Yeah, total total badass. Because the armor in Mandalorian, um, I can't if it's episode two or three. I think it was three, where she broke up the fight between Jin Darin and that other Mandalorian, and she was like, "What has he done wrong? Why are you mad at him? We are people. We are we are those who have chosen to follow the path of the Mandalore." So there's. A Mandalore, probably once a leader of their people, the the leader of the Mandalorians was called Mandalore or the Mandalore, set down this code sometime in the past and that these people are currently following this code. That was the implication I got from, from that statement. Agreed, which is really in line with, I felt, what was portrayed in, say, Knights of the Old Republic. The, my first introduction to the Mandalorians um, was more that whole... I, I don't want to say it was it was they were mercenaries, but at the same time they had a code of honor that was as stringent as say in some ways the Jedi. Am I if am not I more so? If yeah. not more so, yeah. Anyways, dark saber. What do we got? But for the dark saber. So the dark saber was originally the first Mandalorian Jedi was. I I hope I get this right. Tar Vizsla. Yeah, that's right. T a r r e Tar Vizsla. And that yeah, was yeah. or tear maybe tear Vizsla tear or Tare. Um, but, I mean, Star Wars pronunciations are weird, but Vizsla we can agree on. Vizsla and that that obviously being a very important name because the next time you really get a good handle on the dark saber, the story of it is uh, that it's in House Vizsla and it's used. Uh, he becomes the Mandalore when he returns at, at some point in time and. Then the dark saber becomes the the almost like the helmet was, yeah. Prior and to 
the Jedi kept the Darksaber for a very long time after Ter Vizsler, Tare Vizsler, or however it's pronounced, died. Died. They kept and it for then, like what a thousand years or something in yeah, the temple, about like a thousand years, and then the fall of the old republic. It was the fall of the old republic. Uh, that was when pre Vizsla, or that was when ultimately the House Vizsla sent uh, an operatives in and regained the dark saber. And at, it was at that point in time it became they the whoever was in the the leader of the Vizsla house at that point in time used it to ultimately crush all those all their opponents opponents and and become the ruler of the Mandalorians and it was at that point in time it became passed down as the symbol of the of the Mandalore of of the ruling house um and that's when we get into ultimately current history where we see uh previsla the leader of the death watch and house visla during the clone wars uh he gets he's the one that ultimately gets hold of it uh, most recently that we see all the conflicts and then the resolution through rebels with uh uh let's see man well darth maul kills previsla and takes over the Death Watch, and then Sidious comes and takes the takes the dark saber from Maul. And when that happens, Sidious ultimately he, this is the interesting part. Sidious loses the dark saber uh, to ultimately, I want to say, Mandalorian separatists. If I if I remember correctly, uh, and that's when ultimately Maul is able to get it back when he returns and he escapes from his cap being captured by Sidious, which is a, a part of the story. I guess I, I a huge part of the story I missed about the whole thing because you got he's Maul's using it to fight Grievous uh, or Grievous and and a lot of a lot of other things and then it's ultimately during the imperial era that's when what when did maul lose it again maul lost it sometime after that when did i i gotta remember i let me see if i have my notes here Anyway, um, Imperial Era is when Sabine, Sabine, Ren retrieves it, and this was a hard. This is why I actually ended up having to. You remember how I was talking about earlier? I had to go into and figure out the difference between Sabine and Satine, because I kept going thinking Satine, who is Bo's, Bo Katan's sister, was the leader of the Mandalorians for a time, uh, before her she was killed. That I I kept confusing her with Sabine, who Sabine Wren is obviously House Vizsla, or I think she's House Vizsla. I understood she was. Do you know? Uh, let me look into that while you keep talking. Anyway, she's she ultimately gets hold of the dark saber, um, on what is Darthmer, 
or Dathomir. Dathomir, yeah. Yeah, and from the Night Sisters, because that's where I guess Maul left it. I that's what I don't understand is what happened to it between Maul and Sabine. Why I Maul obviously. I think there's probably a comic or something like that that explains a little bit better. Because Maul is ultimately... He goes back to uh, Dathomir for the second... It's like, uh, what, the second battle of Dathomir. He was there before, but he goes back again to take on... Isn't it the, to kill the Night Sisters or something? Okay, so here we go. Um, after Maul... Killed Vizlin, took the Darksaber. Uh, Sidious came to Mandalore to confront him. Uh, Maul was bested in combat, taken prisoner, and held at a separatist prison on a planet called Stygian Prime. Maul was soon rescued from the Spire by, at the behest of Prime Minister Almec, who we saw in the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, mm-hmm. Maul chose him to be the public leader of Mandalore. <coughs> <clears throat> Maul then returned to Zanbar, the location of a Death Watch camp, and was given back the Darksaber, which had been recovered after his battle mm-hmm. with Sidious. So apparently Sidious knocked it away from him, and it was lost. Um, See, I thought, uh, but the way I, the story, I guess the way I understood it was Sidious used the Darksaber against Maul. Uh he might have, but then maybe he cast it away or anyway, or I don't know what yeah. I, I yeah, I understood that he te- he took it into his custody and it was he, he like he took it with him, but then I'm like then yeah, that's where I got confused. So anyway, but they they get it back in one way, right? And then yes. but then it goes the Sabine to or Maul the Sabine thing. Well, yeah, hang on. I'm I'm getting there. So Maul mm-hmm. used the, the Darksaber uh, for a long time, and then it vanished from history. But then during the Imperial area, the Mandalorian weapons expert and rebel Sabine Wren retrieved the Darksaber from the Night Sister lair on Dothamir. So apparently Maul left it there. It, something happens on Dothamir, and, and I know that Maul had a second battle. He went back. He goes back there, and I don't know exactly why he goes back there uh i think the imperials attacked dothamir and he went to defend the night sisters because they were basically his family okay okay anyway and so then he for whatever reason he either leaves it there or he loses it there and that's where sabine finds it uh yes yeah, sabine finds it there and then uh, she gets so this is what this this part takes place on rebels. Yeah. Uh, Kanan Jarrus trains her how to use it basically. Um, and she then becomes the rightful wielder of it after defeating Viceroy Gar Saxon in a duel. Got it, and but then she ultimately decides that she's not the right person to leave the lead the Mandalorians, and she gives it to Bo Katan. And then at some point between the time she gives it to Bo Katan, which, as far as I know, the timeline of Rebels is right before New Hope. 
Yes. So we're right after, I mean, we're right after Revenge of Sith. And so that's only like five years after uh, New Hope, right? That takes place, I mean, it's it's pretty quick, those three movies, right? Yeah, yeah, they take pretty pretty quick. So even if it's like, so anywhere, we're talking like anywhere from five to ten years max that that Bo-Katan ultimately has gotten the Darksaber and then Moff Gideon gets it. Yes, and the method by which Gideon gets it is as of yet unknown. And and so we know that Bo-Katan and we know, well, okay, we know Bo-Katan and we know Ahsoka are coming to the Mandalorian. We believe Sabine is if Banks is playing her. Um... So, at that point in time, with those three roles, I mean, which could easily, obviously, if it's the Ahsoka show, it would be a nice crossover episode kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it would be pretty slick. Or pilot episode, whatever you'd want to call it. Um, you could definitely do that and get away with it and introduce all the characters that way. So, I'm I'm just going to pretend until we hear otherwise, like the Rosari Dawson thing that Sabine is going to be played by Sasha Banks. Um, with that in mind, I feel like between having Ahsoka, Sabine, and um, Bo-Katan, even if it's not a fl- especially if it's not a flashback, if there if it's current time, then there is no doubt in my mind we're going to find out how Moff Gideon got it from him. And they're going to yes. get that shit back. Yeah, I I'm presuming that that is going to be a pretty a pretty focal point and um you know the actor playing Gideon it's been a pretty public story that he broke several of the prop dark sabers prop like like there's a real one that he can break but he broke he broke several prop dark sabers filming his battle scenes so I think we're going to see some pretty intense uh, dark saber oh, wow. action in Mando season two. Yeah, I dude, that guy is he's pretty he's pretty cool. I like him. He's slick, but Giancarlo Esposito, yeah, he's awesome. He yeah, he like he's it's a weird. It's like I put him and like when I see him and Carl Carl Weathers next to each other, it's like yeah, the, the those two guys right there. It's like dude, this show has got some fucking classy dudes. That's all I got to say about that. It's like you just look at them and they just, I don't know. There's just something. They, they have that air of of just, I don't know, authority. That, that com- they command, they, they both of them com- just command kind of a room. Uh, Carl Weathers more so than obviously uh, the guy, other guy. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just like they both play such a good i don't know i loud but quiet role that that whole carry you know walk quietly carry a big stick but i don't know grief is kind of more pompous than anything moff gideon is kind of just like a straight up badass okay so um and maybe maybe we should have used this as our source for telling the story of the Darksaber. But uh, so the Wikipedia 
entry on this mm-hmm. is quite detailed and it even it, it goes into great detail about all the episodes of the Clone Wars and Rebels that the Darksaber shows up in and it, it paints a much clearer picture of its history um, and how the hows and the whys of uh, the, the, the specifics of how it was transferred back and forth except of course to, to Gideon. We still don't know how it got into Gideon's hands. See, and that's that's the one that I got to look into and find out. Because I, I was curious as far as the Darksaber on Dathomir. Um, that's where... That's the one part that I wasn't able to figure out as far as the detailed stuff. The other details... The other stuff is... Um, like, Maul gets it by killing by his his duel with Pre Vizsla when he's ta- when he set up the whole coup of the Mandalore and to, to ultimately take over the Death Watch and take over as the ruler and then he installs his own obviously um what would whatever that guy's name was in as the the voice of power um I don't know it doesn't go into how Tar Vizsla was, or Tar Vizsla was uh, able to create it. The blade itself, um, the dark, the black, that black kind of galaxy-looking blade that it has, like, they don't explain... That's the one thing about it that I, I have noticed about Star Wars currently is they don't go into detail about how the blades take their color or the Kyber crystal chooses its ultimate color and it's obviously based upon i mean if you look at how it happens in fallen order it's based upon the individual who first first claims the crystal after that then obviously the crystal has the color so what does the black mean and uh, and what did it mean of of tar um, the other is, I uh, just, yeah, the, I don't know the Dathomir stuff, though. What, um, where did it, okay. did he lo- leave it behind? Hang on one second. Hang on one second. Let me get back to it. Okay, so... Um, So Maul has it back in his possession, and when he boarded Grievous's dreadnought during the Battle of Ord Mantell, Maul threatened to kill Dooku with the Darksaber. Um, instead, Maul freed Dooku, and the two used their weapons against Kenobi, Mace Windu, Aayla Secure, and Tipley's forces as they boarded an asteroid outpost. Um, he then used the Darksaber against Sakura and Windu, while Dooku killed Tipley. Uh, Maul then returned to Dothamir to help Mother Talzin regain her physical form. Maul was confronted by Sidious and Grievous at the Knight Brothers village. He, along with Talzin, fought Sidious and Grievous. Maul used the dark used the dark saber in the battle until he tossed Grievous aside. Um, the dark saber was still on Dothamir during the reign of the Galactic Empire, kept by Maul in the so- Night Sister lair. So, so he used it until he tossed Grievous aside, and then basically just. I think I mean, he just... hid out on. I think he hid out on Dothamir for a very long time. Um, right, but 
so he fought Grievous and he fought Sidious on Dathmer and uh, ultimately he wins the battle and then just so he stopped after the battle. Obviously, I and that this is where I'll obviously I, I need to watch Rebels, I guess. Be or is uh, that clone, even Rebels clone, or Clone Wars and Rebels? Clone Wars and Rebels. The only reason I say it is because curious about the end, this fight between Sidious and Grievous, uh, or with uh, against him and Sidious, uh, Dooku fight Sidious and Grievous. That specific battle, how it concludes, I'm going to assume Maul wins, or in to some regard, or runs off when he comes to have to fight Sidious because Sidious is Sidious, and we've we've heard about that. He's a badass. Um, so he just basically takes off with it at that point in time, and then just stores it on Dathmere. Uh yes. Okay. Okay. That's that was that was my biggest question of I, I that I hadn't and because I I didn't understand how that transition happened. Okay. No. Some of this also takes place in comic books. I was gonna say I think there's a comic book, a Maul comic book that Darth I have Maul, not seen. Darth Maul, son of Dothamir. Okay. Oh, so, yes. Okay. So the 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 history of the dark saber. And Maul and everybody else's interactions with it is covered in a lot of sources. Um, not just the Clone Wars and Rebels. It's covered in a lot of different places. Um, Again, a big deal. It's the only artifact that I that I know of that I've been able to find that is pertinent to, obviously, current times and also has a place in the history and, obviously, future of Star Wars, the universe that we know it now. Do you For know sure. another artifact? I mean, there's probably holocrons. In fact, I'm pretty sure pretty sure there was a holocron or some artifact that was tied to Exar Kun in Solo, but I think it was tied to him through the visual dictionary for that movie. Um well, there was so, that mask that Vader had in that in the comic book that brought There was that mask, yeah. There's that mask, but, but it's only been in the comic books. I mean, that it hasn't been portrayed across all the different. No, like it was seen. It was like eight episodes. You know the um, yeah. The Kyber crystal used to be one of those artifacts until they basically made all lightsaber crystals Kyber crystals. Um, you know, they unfortunately took many of the relics and artifacts of the of that galaxy and made them legends. Um, right. When they cast out the EU. So, you know. Which sucks because I think that's one of the... My thing about Star Wars is you run into... It's... If you take away all the the lightsabers and the fancy battles and all that... You're still dealing with this this magic force that runs through the galaxy that people can can control, right? Right. So at that point in time, having artifacts that are lore and I mean that they're that are a big deal that possess a huge amount of power to me seems like just something that you'd want to utilize and do. Um, I'm a, I'm a Dungeons and Dragons player. I mean, magic weapons are hand and 
know, but you just every, they're everywhere. Yeah, plus yeah. This, well, that. I mean, no, I mean, you look at, um, I mean, you look at any sort of video game that has any any sort of role playing elements, um, and there's always those weapons that have, uh, or even pieces of armor or whatever. There's always these things that have a, a lore and a history about them. I mean, like you look at Destiny. Um, I'm a big fan of the Destiny series, um, and the lore and the story behind the hand cannon Thorn. Uh, you know where it was once uh, just uh, the sidearm of a of a guardian who then killed a powerful hive and as a trophy took some of its bone and grafted it onto the gun. And then the gun slowly became corrupted. And as the gun became corrupted, he became corrupted. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there's this, there's lots of examples in all sorts of forms of media about legendary Dark weapons. Souls. I mean, Dark Souls, uh, Lord of the Rings, the one ring. I mean, you oh, look God, at, yeah, right. You look at any number of sources, Vorpal sword, what Dungeons what? and Dragons, the Vorpal oh, Sword, Dungeons thought, and Dragons, natural thought, twenty cuts anything's head off. I thought we were back at Wommels and Weavits and whatnot. <laughs> Vorpal, Vorpal, Wommels, Weavits, Waskly Wabbits, um, Waskly Wabbit. But you know the stories that often involve these weapons or the pursuit of these artifacts are often greatly told stories that drive massive amounts of narrative and character development. Indiana Jones. Indiana fucking Jones. There you go. Uh, The last crusade. They're going looking for the Holy Grail, you know, right. Or, or the fucking looking for the Ark of the Covenant. That's right. I mean, or the, the, the stones that let you grab the freaking heart still beating out of the chest. Yep, them too. Them too. I'm just saying those those types of objects have a place. And I think it is a pretty big disservice to Star Wars to cast most of them aside in the way they've been cast aside. Now, are they going to slowly start creeping back? Yeah, for sure. They I are. hope so. Um I hope so in more than video games. I hope so in in the shows and the media and the books. Obviously, it should. But the movies and the shows need to start. It's like the e-webs and the troop, the troop transports and the Eclipse Star Destroyer. It's like those kind of things. You have to stay true to the original stories in some way, some regard. And if you don't bring those back, you're just completely d- doing a disservice to, um, well, the story as a whole, in my mind. Well, and I mean, let's just look at it from a simplistic, maybe sort of mercenary sort of view. Is So you're tasked with creating a Star Wars story. Guess what? There have been dozens of creators of stories of Star Wars that have maybe paved the way for you. And I'm not telling you to go to that story and cut and paste it over and say, like, here's my script, Mrs. Kennedy. But be like, hey, I took inspiration from this because it's one of my favorites. 
Well, it's like, okay, you can go into a story and be like, okay, Stormtroopers, we have E-Web, we have Star Destroyer, we have TIE Fighter, we have X-Wing. And you can take specific objects from the story. Darth Vader's mask. And then you can take that object and move it forward. It's the easiest way because the object is an object. How it's utilized and used by an individual is the story you're telling. But that object can always... You can take the Darksaber and you can tell 10 stories about the Darksaber. Each one about a different owner of it. Killing the last one. And each one is going to have a unique value to it. And it's all going to be about the Darksaber. Right. And but, the only way your claim to the Darksaber is legitimate is if you kill the previous owner. Mm-hmm. So I'm. it's like you're able to take one thing and it's, I mean, create a James Bond, James Bond kind of-esque story where you're able to tell, yeah, no, this was just the fifth owner. Uh, this was just the twentieth owner. You don't even have to tell them in in uh, like uh, in order. You can l- literally jump around at any point in time and pick. Say, well, this was my favorite one. Well, there's there's no such thing as a uh, guy one through twenty. You just pick twenty because that was your favorite one. Yeah. Cool. Why but, not? You know, it it gives a whole lot of ability to do a whole lot more things when you focus on an object rather than a person. Uh, yeah, I I know personally, and I I know if rumors are to be believed, he is on the way. Um, but you know, like Revan had his mask, which is very iconic in certain circles of Star Wars. Um. We talked I, about that actually. We did, yes. His mask taken from from a Mandalore, yeah, uh, and put on that, and he said, "I'm not going to take this off until my work is done." Basically, um, but that mask, man, it's out there somewhere, probably in the galaxy, and Revan should have living descendants today in today's Star Wars world. There should be people I hope descended they get into from that. Revan. And I think it would be a cool story uh, to recover the relics of Revan, um, his sabers, his cloak, his mask, whatever. Um, let let the old Re- Knights of the Old Republic let those stories tell Revan's story, but utilize Revan to as a as a, a juxtapose a, a catalyst to a new set of stories that you built around the original character. You know, I th- I think it's a it's a amazing idea, classic, classic. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is Revan is my favorite, just my absolute favorite, and I mean for good reason, maybe. And I'm sure he's probably many many other people's favorites. Um, you know the other the other fact about the I'm going to say current Star Wars world or universe when it comes to artifacts is frankly, the empire captured as much of it as they could and destroyed a lot of it. 
So we talked it, about this before, though, too, because I don't think the emperor. I don't think he. I. I think he would take it. I think he would keep it for himself. I just. I have a hard time believing that there's a huge amount of, quote unquote, artifacts and relics that he would just straight up destroy. Well, I, think he would claim I, be- to. I believe. I believe the empire would straight up destroy. I believe the emperor. In his ultimate plan to remove the Jedi from the galaxy, because the Jedi were the only threat to his power, would destroy anything that had anything to do with them. After he learned from it. After he learned from it. If there was anything he even could learn from it. Um, The the extent of his knowledge and power is obviously vast. Um, Because, you know, the Sith were frankly able to study and probably even walk among Jedi for a long time. Look at Dooku. Look at Dooku. I mean, he's a, he's a good example. Um, you know, I just, I think if Sidious's ultimate goal was to, to wipe the Jedi from the galaxy, I mean, you have to, you would literally have to cleanse everything because all it takes is, you know, one random force sensitive person, a broom boy, Finding a manuscript that talks about the Force and them having Force potential. And to... Jedi, just to mention, just the name Jedi once in the text men- mentioned as the, the the light or the hope. That would That's enough. Right. And, you know, and maybe that explains why, you know, Rey and Finn, you know, in, in Force Awakens were like the Jedi were real. Because maybe Palpatine did do such a good job of striking and wiping their name and knowledge from the history. Um, you know, I remember playing Battlefront 2 and you do the mission as Luke Skywalker. And yeah. in that in that mission, the the Imperial soldier you team up with is like all I've ever heard about you guys is how you're traitors and how you tried to overthrow the republic and that you're evil and blah blah etc. And now, and he goes, but now you're sitting here telling me that the emperor that I've been serving is one of you. And he goes, well, he's not exactly one of us, but he is like us in a way. Yes. Um, which was enough to shake that guy's belief in the empire. Mm-hmm. So right. the, the propaganda machine and everything else that the empire rolled with and that the emperor rolled out, um, well, it's like the Mandalorian five years after Revenge of the or Return of the Jedi were running into what the fuck's a Jedi? Yeah, I I hope they offer some explanation to that because that still bothers me, especially with Cara Dune being a, a, a rebellion soldier. I need an explanation. Yeah, it's so. it's it's a it's it is a plot hole. At least when it comes to her, I think it is a definite plot hole. Um, but without anyways. a doubt. But dark saber wise, um, yeah, it's definitely i i want I want to see them definitely expand on it itself, and you know, definitely give us a idea of what the story was, what happened, and obviously a resolution. I, I'm without a doubt, I'm sure we're coming or we're going to that in 
whether it's on the Mandalorian or whether it's in a live action show. But the deaths, the dark saber is the death saber. the The dark saber is probably the only current artifact that I know of that really has any weight in the current universe. And so I'm 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 definitely interested to see how it plays out. Okay. So I guess on my final note for the Darksaber, uh, mm-hmm. I found a quote from Giancarlo Esposito on filming with Ooh. the Darksaber for The Mandalorian Season 2. And I quote, I've gone through two, three, three and a half maybe. I think I've broken already three and a half. But I go at it like I go <laughs> at it. I've broken a few of them to the point where the prop guys love me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I paraphrased right. that a little bit to make it a little more smooth, but um Hey. It's perfect. apparently it's apparently perfect. Giancarlo Esposito has gone ham. Uh so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Absolutely. So without anything more to say about the Darksaber, and I think that pretty much wraps us up. Is there anything you want to talk else you want to talk? talk to these people about oh no i got nothing at this point uh you know this is a fairly long episode uh you know clocking in almost at an hour and 50 minutes uh of star wars goodiness so yeah if you guys if we missed anything if you want to if you have any questions uh shoot us a line hit us up we would love to hear from you Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, we're at broom underscore boys, broom underscore boys at Twitter. Facebook, we're at the broom boys on Facebook at the broom boys. Search us one way or another. You'll find us really easy. Yeah, we're easy. There's one thing you need to know about us. We're easy. All the way through. It's the only way to be. 100%. billion trillion percent. Uh, Well... But yeah, no, I'm I'm all I'm all tapped out. I'm tapped out, my friend, too. So on that note, that's all for me, guy. And I'm Buddy, and we have spoken.